This is Sarah with an exciting announcement. We have just launched the SideWoo Collective, a new inclusive community of artists, metaphysical practitioners, and the Woo Curious. The SideWoo Collective is, for now, an online community focused on art, the metaphysical, and general wellness. Essentially all the things you love about the podcast, but in real life. Our first offering is a three-week online course with classes every Sunday at 6 p.m. between February 12th and the 26th. Classes include sigil making with artist and educator Rachel Dawson, Intuition 101 with tarot reader and Scottish witch Amelia Whitehouse of the Carnelian Keep, and Drawing Your Shadow with Yours Truly. You can go to our new website, thesidewoo.com, to sign up, get on our mailing list, or reach out with any questions. This will be a great way to engage with one another and get a better understanding of who this community is. I'm really excited to share it with you and hope to see you there. Hi, this is Sarah Tebow. And this is Liz Bernstein, and we are the hosts of the Side Woo Podcast. This is a space to investigate what makes a creative life possible, from the mundane to the sublime, the physical to the metaphysical. Welcome to the Side Woo. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Side Woo. This is Sarah, and I'm very excited to bring you this week's guest, Sarah Potter. Not only does she have an awesome name, but she is a professional tarot reader, psychic medium, witch, and a self-described curator and conjurer of color magic. What is color magic, you may ask? Well, we are excited to go into it in great detail during our episode, so stay tuned for that. In addition to her more witchy resume items, she is also a writer. She writes two columns, one for Cosmopolitan Magazine and one for Astrology.com. She also collaborated with Cosmo on a tarot deck and guidebook that you can now find wherever you find your tarot cards. We had a really great conversation, so I will just leave you to it. Without further ado, enjoy our episode. So we're doing video, but the video isn't recording. Unless you want to do video during your tarot session. Whatever you guys want is fine with me. I don't know, Liz, do you feel camera ready? <laughs> you know what? Whatever I'm bringing to the show right now is camera ready because there's a camera and I'm ready. <laughs> I like that. I gotta admit- well, because the camera is not recording right now. So that would be the only thing. Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. You know what? Then let's keep it as is, just to not add another technological thing that could go wrong. Okay, cool. Yeah. I will admit, I haven't brushed my hair since yesterday. So, no shame in it. I haven't showered for two days plus. (laughs) I'm going to keep silent because I've just like upped you guys by like a thousand (laughs) percent. I'm like, you guys are still in social normal. My hot water broke in uh, my house and I just rolled with it (laughs) for about a week. I'm so happy to meet you guys. We were saying you're like the the cool girl, not to discount uh, the other cool people that have been on our podcast, but I... And not to box you yeah. in, but we both experience you as... Very cool. Like, <laughs> very cool. And so it brought up my 15-year-old a little bit. 
and I had to I had to sink into my adulthood and be like this is who you are now and this is the conversations that you have now yeah I had to de-adolescent myself oh my gosh well you know I really like think that's really very sweet to tell me that because I don't really think of myself as cool at all I do my own thing I don't know what definitely march into the beat of my own but I can be pretty goofy and like I'm from the Jersey Shore I think it kind of speaks to the coolness as an adult of really going your own way and just doing your own thing and how the way it's perceived as an adult is appreciated versus I don't know what your high school experience was like but going your own way and doing something different is not appreciated. I was lucky. I went to public high school, but I was in like, I was in an arts program that was very small and our schedule was so tightly regulated. I was mostly with like the same 15 kids in all classes, all of high school. And like my best friend is still my best friend. And like our 20 year high school reunions coming up this month, we never had a reunion But like, I am loving, my best friend's a Pisces and a scientist. She's a forensic chemist and I'm always interrupting. (laughs) Oh my God, I see a cat tail. So I am having a real high school moment. I've been like writing a lot about when I found witchcraft when I was 12. And like, I went back to all these places and like my old jobs from when I was a teenager. You started when you were 12? Yeah. Doing witchcraft? Yeah. You know? Amazing. um, I'm not going to lie. Like most people, I think... To enter into magic, I wanted to do those love spells. Yeah. I grew up in the Jersey Shore. There weren't shops that I could like walk to. There was a crystal shop that's actually still around. My mom would drive me there. She's amazing. But I found my path to witchcraft at Barnes and Noble and the mall on the Jersey Shore. Remember going into, I guess it was still labeled like the new age section. This was nineties. There was an interest, this like resurgence was happening. So there was some more accessibility to information. And it's funny. I still have my first witchcraft book I ever got. It was by Silver Raven Wolf. And I was looking through it when I was at my mom's house, I grabbed it and I totally forgot about this, that I went into the back. Like, I didn't really know any other witches. There was one girl at camp that honestly wasn't that nice, but I wanted to be friends with her, but she really wasn't trying to make friends. So I basically just convinced my best friend we should do this together. There was no community. So in the back of this book, there were all of these addresses and PO boxes you could write to for witch newsletters mm-hmm. and the AOL chat rooms that met like it's like Sundays at 2 p.m. But it wasn't for young women or teens. So it was kind of like a funny way in there. I mean, my mom is really spiritual and she set me on my my path. Oh, that's cool. But I longed for having this witchy initiation at at the age of 12, taking all my clothes off and eating a pomegranate in the wood. I don't know what tradition you're, you started with, but. Well, I mean, my my initiation was at the mall and now I have such a fondness and an appreciation for it because I feel like that's what we do with witchcraft. We make the most of what we have. I also feel the same way. Like I'd love to have one of those like giant amethyst geode crystals in my home that I could just kind of like in and meditate. But like, 
like the reality is I have a studio apartment and I don't even know how much those cost. They're really expensive. I've seen them because they have them. There's a gallery here that's next to a store that sells them and they're like multiple thousands of dollars, but they're cool. Well, I, I own a shop and I share my shop with a friend who makes her own line of jewelry. She is somebody who has really modeled a spiritual life for me and she sells crystals. There's like a couple of the behemoths in the store. So I get this like 20 hours a week and I love it. I mean, I sometimes I feel like they reach out and like stroke your hair. Really? You know, they're, yeah, there's oh just God. like, there's a touch from them. Oh, that's lovely. You know, I, I did invest in a crystal that means a lot. It's a big rose quartz that's carved into a bust of a unicorn. Whoa. It brings a lot of joy and magic into my life. So, you know, that was something magical that was an investment but when I look at these like massive crystal I'm always like ah like that'd be so nice but I don't like I don't need it my little mammoth that I have next to my bed it's doing the trick it makes me think about you know you're 12 and you're about to or have gone through puberty and it's a very powerful time as you know, your body is changing and menstruation is happening to start aligning with your witchiness because it feels very early to me. It me too. I was actually going to ask about that. I mean, at 12, I literally remember being like, I will do whatever I need to do in order to have more people accept me. I had no friends. I, I was like the Z on the totem pole. And I, you know, so I would buy the clothes that they wore and it was conscious, yeah. you know, yeah. I was just like, this is my choice in order to survive. Yeah. And when I got my period, I sat for a week playing solitaire because I was so depressed at being a grown woman with blood every month that I just, yeah, I just was in deep denial that that was a thing that I was going to go through. And I I think there's so much power in embracing it. And I think witch rituals totally pull in that cycle and make it something you can use. I was going to ask, how did you, did you ever have like a coming out period where you were presenting to others for the first time as a witch or was it just kind of always who you were? So I think if you paid attention to what I was doing, it was very obvious, but I didn't like, I wasn't comfortable being open about it until, gosh, I think I was 31, 32. Oh, okay. Wow, yeah. that's more recent. Yeah. yeah, because I think that like, don't we all want to be accepted and seen for who we really are? And I mean, not everyone is so open to someone yeah. who announces they're a witch. And, you know, I think sometimes that like 12 is such a hard age. And I think that's when... I I feel like you start noticing if you're different from other people, if you're not fitting in. And I feel like I found witchcraft when I was really like finding who I was in more of a sense. And of course, yeah. like it evolves. We grow up and we change and we're still there. But like that's definitely the guiding light that's been with me this whole time. But I also kind of feel like, I mean, I'm, I'm a little... 
bit of a, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little unique. I've been dyeing my hair wacky colors since, actually since I was 12 too. Oh, and, wow, cool. Yeah, I was like listening to Blink-182 and reading my witchcraft book. And like putting sun in and whatever bleach I was yeah. finding and doing all kinds of weird stuff to my hair. But yeah, and I think though that since I've always felt so odd because you know i've been speaking to the spirits since i was a kid too and that wasn't always accepted by you know friends parents and i just it is funny i used to always want to be normal like my idea of normal so badly but this was still such an undeniable part of me and it brought me a lot of comfort i always feel like i could really overthink decisions and pulling cards helped me get to that intuitive place and honor my intuition and trust my judgment. But I didn't really tell anyone, like I didn't want anyone to think I was even weirder than I already felt. It was hard enough being like, you know, converted. Exactly. And then, you know, as I, I think as as I got older, I think like many of us, we, we settle into the comfortability of who we are. And I had a brutal Saturn return you know, in a series of events that really changed my life and caused me to really transform. And I was just like, I felt like I wasn't accepted in so many situations I was in in my personal life that I was just honestly like tired of it. And I just wanted to like be myself and be comfortable with it. And I got to this turning point of like, what am I hiding? And I just wanted to be myself. And I'm actually very proud of who I am and my spiritual beliefs. And I remember talking about it with some other witches who were like, you know, once you fly out of the broom closet, you can't really go back in. And oh my God, I love that. I had an opportunity to do, like, to be interviewed in a magazine that I really admired and used to read as a teenager and was like just so beyond thrilled, I couldn't believe it. And like part of the interview was going to be talking about being a witch. And I was also in this, I went through this year of confronting all of my fears. Like I was facing everything I was ever afraid of. I actually do not recommend anyone doing this. It's a horrible way to shock your system. And I was like, all right, if I'm afraid of it, I'm going to face it and I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I got to tell you, like, I'm so lucky because it's been an incredible experience. I actually find that I'm very accepted and I accept myself, which is really the end of the day, what I think is the most important thing to do. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I get hate mail, like I uh, maybe like a month or two ago, someone found my address and sent me a letter that was like, Fuck. you're going to go to hell and Oof. like all of these things. I was like anti-witch and, oh, I see. Uh, you know, and like I found some of the stuff people have written about me online. I don't mean to, but sometimes I stumble upon it and I read it because I don't know, maybe I like to torture myself a little. I don't know what that's about, but yeah. human so nature. Much- yeah, especially online. So much to unpack here. I feel like I have so many questions on what you just said, but go ahead. So, Liz. you know, when I followed you on Instagram, which was just a couple of days ago, I accidentally followed a fake, an imposter. And yeah, I had to tell her which one was your right. Yeah. yeah. And I had to, yeah, I texted Sarah and I was like, which one is the real one? Because the imposter was like, this is the real me. 
and they contacted me and you know they were trying to pull me into something and you know it was like i want to offer you a reading and i you know will show you intimate things about yourself and it didn't it wasn't sexual like yeah. it, it was you know they were using the language of spirituality and intimacy but it really freaked me out. Yeah. I mean, it is a violation to you. Yeah. And, oh, you know, yeah. obviously a violation to the people who they're contacting. But I, I was I was truly shocked by by this. Well, and it's interesting because I've had them follow me a million times pretending to be you. And then every time I notice and just block them and report them. But they've never reached out to me. But I also just felt like, well, what is this about? Why are you targeting healers, you know, of all the people in the world? Like, why is this what you're doing? You could target like a venture capital founder. Right. Probably make more money <laughs> and have less guilt around it. Yeah. You know? I mean, what I think is so sick about all of this is that people are really hurting and people yeah. are feeling, I think, really uncertain and unstable. And that's why we're seeing a rise in spirituality and people and why tarot and astrology is becoming so sought after. And being a tarot reader and being a witch are the most important things to me in my life. I take it so seriously. And having yeah. integrity is just so incredibly important to me and I feel like even though I have so many amazing opportunities and I do feel like these modalities that had been so hidden are becoming more popular and accepted we still have such a long way to go a lot of people think this stuff is on the light end yeah. like odd or wacky to like on the other end, like fraudulent and dishonest. And so having all of these people. And sacrilege. Totally. Yeah. And then also just how dare women step out of line. Like, I think not to go off topic, but the recent abortion oh, yeah. language in the Supreme Court references the same person that was writing about witch trials. So I feel like and, the, you know, you see pundits now talking about witch trials and how they literally these are real people but it, talking about literal witch news and yeah. persecution, like righteous yeah. so, persecution. I think, you know, if this is just the next wave of the men's rights activism. So when you say tarot and astrology, I think that people have a concrete thing they're picturing in their head. You know, they can see a deck and they can see the, you know, when you read about astrology, what are some of the concrete things that people can picture in their head about which practice? Ooh. You know, I think that's such a yeah, great a question, question because I feel like, I feel like since people like, because of Instagram and TikTok, I do feel like witches are becoming more visible. So you can see like a witch takes many forms. Mm -hmm. A witch has, a witch can be anything. I feel like a witch is about self-possessed power and a connection to nature and the greater universe. So what that looks mm -hmm. like is undefined. I love that. But Liz does not, maybe. <laughs> you want more clarity? 
No, I love it. My silence is contemplation. I'm, you know, it's, it reminds me of setting the intention before the tarot reading where maybe you set your intention of witchiness before or during something that's happening. And that's what turns it into the experience that defines that aspect of witch identity. I love that. Yes. Interesting. Well, I'm trying to think back to Hmm. some of the things you were talking about that I wanted to come back to. I think one of them was just how your interest in color. I just have to say, I'm getting major Venus energy off of you. Are you, do you have like a ton of Libra in your chart or anything? Um, so my Venus is in Libra. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I just feel it. I, mine is too, actually, but it's in the 12th house, but, which is crazy. But um, my, I feel like my hair is this very Venusian pink. And yes. I also, Venus is the goddess that I, I'm devoted to. So I, everything, she's always coming through in all of my work. And uh, I just, I adore her. So that's a high compliment. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I feel it from you really strongly. Wow. And I think what I wanted to ask is, you know, we did a color tarot reading last summer, which was really helpful. It was so simple, but that really resonated with me all through the summer. And it was kind of all about like being in my body and like, getting deeper into the earth, even though it was, you know, color, I don't know. And so I wanted to ask you about your color magic and then maybe if it's an extension, talk about what role fashion and makeup and beauty plays into that. Cause it seems like you're really interested in the fashion world with your looks and everything, your lurks, (laughs) but yeah, I'm just curious if you could talk about that because I don't think you necessarily always associate fashion and color with magic or metaphysical practices, especially practices that are a little bit more aesthetic, like where you go to a monastery and you reject all the material world, but you're like embracing it and using it. Totally. Yes. So I feel like we're all, all of us are already working with the magic of color because every color emits a frequency. Every color is associated with an intention, with an emotion. And I feel like what we're drawn to, like on an intuitive level, it's all about the energy we're in, what we're seeking, how we're creating balance and how we adorn ourselves. It is kind of like putting on armor. It's for sure. It can be inviting. It can enhance whatever mood we're feeling or evoking. And I feel like when you are more tapped into what the colors mean, you can use it effectively in a magical way to enhance your intentions. I feel like just like if you're in a spiritual magical practice and you're choosing what candle to use or what crystal to assist you, these are all the things I think the magic is within you. Mm. It's just we're amplifying it to make the message get out there a little more clearly. And, you know, I feel like I... When I was a kid, I would always pick out my nail polish colors. I've always loved painting my nails and always pick out what color I was feeling, mm-hmm. not even really understanding. I mean, that's that's color magic right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also someone I always feel like if I'm not comfortable in what I'm wearing, it just ruins my whole day. I can't focus. I can't think. So I just always have to be comfortable, be feeling it so I don't have to think about it and I can just like 
feel good and be present with whoever I'm with. So I feel like that's part of it as well. And I feel like here, like, I actually don't wear a lot of black anymore. I used to only exclusively wear black all the time, but I am wearing black today. And I always feel like, I mean, black, it's so protective. I feel like it enhances power. It kind of like, I think it's really good living in New York. Like, it's no wonder it's the color of New Yorkers because it can Mm. kind of shield out all that noise, all that extra energy. And it's also, it's a color that helps you blend into your surroundings a little bit too and not stand out as much so in that way I think it can not only be protective but it can be comfortable in certain situations that's so interesting thinking about the art world and how much people like wearing black in the art world as well as a stereotype and thinking of how intense that is psychically and energetically that it really I think does function as armor to just wear all black because you're not letting anyone into your personal preference you know yes completely yeah Yeah. that's so interesting whoa my mind was just blown by that and I mean that sincerely I'm like what the fuck yeah I had never thought about that at all I've never thought about black clothes as protection and in my last relationship I actually got a lot of negative feedback from my partner about always wearing all black Mm. And was really, really pushed into wearing more. It it was at that point, not the best relationship, obviously. But I was really being pushed into wearing all color. And the vulnerability that I felt when I put on colorful or patterned clothes, I almost psychologically, I could not handle it. I felt like I was naked and that I was being judged and I literally couldn't handle it. And, you know, so when I was being asked to do this thing, it felt like a a violation. I, you know, I was like, I I can't. And Hmm. anyway, so you saying that black is protection and sort of in some ways a shield that is like a truth bomb that just went off in my head at like fireworks. It's going to explode in all timelines going back and reevaluate your whole life. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Holy moly. See, that is the magic of color. Yeah. I feel like that's a moment that I would call is when we're tapped in, we're breaking the spell, we're seeing it clearly. And then it's like, oh, wow. And it's so telling. I feel like emotionally, psychologically, intentionally. And that's what I love about working with this modality because you're already working with it, but now you work together. Yeah. Well, and- I think back to the Venus thing too, there's an element of, in the art world especially, and I don't know if there's other areas that you've been in that maybe this resonates too, where being ultra feminine is not necessarily an accepted way of presenting as, especially as just a straight woman, like it's not subversive enough. Like you have to, being just a female painter who dresses really cute and feminine, I feel like I would be constantly being judged for not being serious enough. And I think that's a reason that it's easy to go to black as well and just have your kind of neutral outfit on so that you're not perceived one way or the other. And then that somehow takes away from your artwork. I don't know. I mean, I don't think we need to get into a conversation about patriarchy in the art world, but (laughs) it is something that I feel that black is a way to avoid being too femme also. And yeah, Yeah, and feeling like I definitely, when I worked in the art world, I 
if I had these severe haircuts and I did a lot of interesting yeah. things with my bangs and I had dark hair and <laughs> with like sharp <laughs> angles and like, yeah, because I wanted to be like, tough and taken seriously when I was, yes. you know, selling these big, important pieces of, of artwork, but making the switch into this spiritual field and really leaning into the femininity i actually feel like so much more comfortable i really do feel like myself that felt like a weird costume and i realized like i actually feel more powerful and more in my essence and being in a softer feminine presenting way and and it's been interesting cuz i i was looking to feel strong in that yeah. you know i love that it if you're selling something that is big, big, big money, you know, a big piece of artwork that is like, you know, a blue chip. I, and I don't know where you worked, but it like the level of money and prestige associated with something inherently has a an aspect that is like a dress code associated with it. a dress code associated, but also not a kind authenticity because that you know in our world to spend a million dollars on a piece of canvas when people are homeless and it inherently has a it's wrong I don't know how else to say it and I participate in lots of things like you know air conditioners and vacations and stuff like that but it, there's not a lot of um, moral accountability with certain aspects of commercialism right it's high capitalism Completely. Yeah, totally. It's like aggressive capitalism. You know, one thing I wanted to talk about too that you just mentioned was about the shielding up of being in New York. And just curious because, I mean, Liz moved away. I lived there for a while and needed to get out because the energy there is so intense and I just couldn't figure out how to manage it being a sensitive person. It was either like all of it all the time or I had to stay home, you know? So how do you handle that as a sensey individual? It's so funny because I do, a lot of people ask me that and I always am like, what? New York City is the most magical city in the world. Of course I live here. But I live on the Upper West Side and it's very, I love my neighborhood. It's like sweet and I'm right by the park. So I have a lot of nature. I go to the park every day and... I get all of the sun through my windows. I know my neighbors and it just feels so lovely. But most of my friends live downtown. So when I go downtown, I'm like, oh my God, what the hell? Like it's so loud and chaotic and crazy here, which is fun for a spell. But then I have to like come back uptown and and be home. And I will say, I'm not really a big fan of crowds. I do get overwhelmed very easily. And so when I get booked for events, that are attended by a lot of people, I have to rest for like a week before and usually a week after. So I, and I do, I, I had to really learn how to take care of myself and deepen my understanding of my own energy as well as other people's. So I meditate every day. I try to get a good night's sleep. I, I try to do all the basics, you know, eat, drink water, but I also am just kind of more, discerning about who I spend time with and where I go because 
it can get very overwhelming. And I'm so used to the frequency here that when I leave, I can feel it in my body. Like, oh yeah, it is a hectic energy. You know, that is very true. When I was 11, I moved to the Upper West Side to 93rd and Central Park West. And it is not monolithic. You're completely right. People say New York, but it is an absolutely different experience based on the micro neighborhood that you are living in. And, you know, if you're seeing Central Park, that is another different experience than if you are below 14th Street. You know, it's just. Yeah. Or I stayed in Wall Street for the summer. That's when we did our reading and I was cat sitting for a month and I was like literally on Wall Street and I was surrounded by water. You know, the really cool thing about being there is just everywhere you go, there's water. So I was constantly taking the ferry. I would go running along the coast. I don't know that I would choose Wall Street, but I just loved that environment, but it did not feel like New York even slightly because you just don't associate it with boats and water and sunsets over the river. I know. So yeah, I think it really depends where you are. I was actually in Midtown yesterday with a friend and neither of us lived there. And I was like, this is a really crazy part of the city. (laughs) Like, I worked there. That was, that was tough. I have to say. Oh my gosh. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, I would have panic attacks coming out of the subway with the sea and the lines of people just like in and out, in and out. It was yeah, that's an intense vibe. (laughs) And lots of blessings to those in Midtown because that is wild. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, when I was growing up, Times Square was sex workers, porn, prostitution. It's where I went for. And I'm 10 years older than you. It's where I went for my fake ID when I was in high school. And it actually was a much mellower frequency than it it is now. It it felt great. There was nothing threatening about it. It it was, you know, people at work and it was transgressive work and it was fine. But if you go there now, it's like, it's like an assault, man. It is, it's a... I would take Midtown over Times Square like every day of the week. Same. And it's so funny. I was, my friend I was with yesterday, he is probably a little bit older than you, same age. And he he was also saying the same. He's like, God, like Times Square was so much better back when I first moved here. And we were talking about that energetically because it's like Times Square is actually like way too much for me energetically. I, I am stunned that people enjoy going there and that's a destination for them because... I want to stay as far away from that portal to hell as possible. (laughs) 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 And one can't top that as, you know, like end scene, (laughs) you know, like there we go. Um, Oh my God. Okay. Well, I did want to ask about the concept of tarot scopes as well as your tarot deck that you've made. I feel like taroscopes isn't a new concept, but it's everywhere now. And so maybe you could explain what that is. Although the name is, is that something you coined? No, I did not. I'm not sure where that name came from, but I mean, for me, I love, you know, I follow the cycles of the moon in my spiritual practice, but also just in everything I'm doing. And I love astrology. Astrology, I think is so fascinating and 
just so on point to the point where I have to laugh usually. I mean, it's so mathematical. And I yeah. mm. connect much better to imagery and to tarot. It's something that I really resonate with. And I always feel like tarot and astrology, we're picking up on the same energy. It's all reading from the same place. It's just how are you accessing the information? And so for me, I feel like tarot is what, that's the language I understand. But it's always amazing to me that when I write my tarot scopes, I'm not even thinking about what's happening, where the moon is, what's happening astrologically at all. But then after I write everything and then I'll write the beginning. And that's when I'm kind of out of that meditative entranced state. And then I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, of course, all the cards are coming up. I'm getting all these uh, reversed swords and I'm telling all these people to watch out for their communications, double check their work. Be careful how you say something. You can get into arguments. Mercury's retrograde this week, you know? And so it's like, Yes. Like, love that. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's how I think of it as yeah. we're all reading the same energy. It's just which form is it going to take? Is astrology mm-hmm. something that you relate to more? Or maybe it's tarot. I've even seen some people are doing crystal scopes and I'm like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Like, that's fun. Yeah. And I feel like it's all just resonating in different ways to transmit that cosmic universal energy in the collective. I have a question about Mercury in retrograde. Yeah. Wow, that's hard to say. Why is it the, I mean, I feel like people who know nothing might know that phrase. Yeah. And why? Why is it so famous? I feel like it it had like a pop culture moment because there's a lot of juicy stuff associated with it. X's come back. All of your technology breaks. Check. Like, you know, Check. travel snafus. You're late to everything. And so that I think <laughs> wants to know about that. And now, now I feel like I'm hearing more and more about the Saturn return. People are talking about that more because yeah. of that tricky time mm-hmm. where you're looking at 30 years old and everything goes haywire. Everyone's getting divorced. They're losing their jobs. They're taking a new, they're quitting their jobs, embarking upon something new. So I think it's just something because to me, I very much believe in astrology. It's actually like incredible to me that people think it's not real, but you know, I, I respect that view, but I don't understand it. We do not, you know, leave right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you're listening to this, we cannot have you, but like, I think (laughs) it's just because it's so relatable. There's something to me in readings that I often, I, I start laughing because it's like, oh my God, could these cards be more on point? And, and I do it when I pull cards for myself because life is so crazy. We have to laugh at it. You can't make this stuff up, these mm-hmm. cosmic shenanigans. So, and I think that the like Mercury retrograde, because it turns everything into such a tailspin and people can relate to it. And we want to understand ourselves, we want to understand the, why things are happening. So that's why I think people relate. Cat alert, cat alert. Hi, beauty. Hi, Hello, cutie. You're like the queen um, of wands right now with your black We are, black we are, your... totally. I always say that to her. I, I would like to say that yesterday, Sarah and I had to work it out because of me being late to everything recently. And we had to, but especially yesterday, but especially yesterday. And we had to, you know, sort of come up with solutions because I've been chronically late and annoying everybody. And then we also had to do 
Reiki on our computers today before this interview because we've had so much interference with yeah. technology, like interviews disappearing. This is a brand new computer because I had to get a new one on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. I had to get a new one too because last one stopped. Hardcore Mercury hits our technology. Yeah. Yeah. In the most expensive Completely. way. I think I'm going to have to buy a, a new <laughs> iPhone before Mercury goes direct because mine's been glitching out. And right. I'm like, of cool. course you are. Thanks. Of course. Oh my God. <laughs> that is crazy. Well, can you can you talk a little bit about the deck that you created? I would love to. I still can't believe I got to do this. So cool. It's so amazing. I never thought I'd make a tarot deck. I mean, I always dreamed of it, but it, I, it was very cool. I'd been writing for Cosmo and then this opportunity came up. Yeah. I think they approached me. Actually, I think it was shortly after the lockdown started in New York. And it was such an exciting process to think about like, how do I interpret these age old cards? How do I bring them into a modern lens, like through my viewpoint? And since it was through Cosmo, keeping that point of view in mind, but luckily we share like a lot of the same voice. And funny enough, as this project started, I was falling in love with someone which is really like a wild, Aww. confusing, insane experience that I completely forgot that it's not all like rainbows and hearts. There's actually a lot of confusion and terror that comes with falling in love. And I, I just tried to channel all of the unknown I felt about those feelings and all of the answers I was looking for into the creation of this deck. And I find being in love to be really inspiring. I'm someone who creates my best work when I'm happy, not yep. when I'm heartbroken. And yeah, it didn't work out with and that person. It's fine. Uh, but okay. I was it ask. was lovely to kind of have that experience and put those feelings into this piece of work. And I just hope that yeah. I was really learning how to keep my own heart open because and yeah. that can be hard. Yeah, it's not easy, especially after, you know, living life and going through some challenges yeah. and devastating heartbreaks. So to have this experience of having this heart opening mm. time in my life coincide with being really yeah. creative was a really lovely experience. Love and I love the artwork. I mean, Pamela Coleman-Smith did it the best. Those illustrations are on point. She yeah. changed tarot. But, you know, in this deck, we break mm -hmm. away from that. And it really forces a user to rely on your intuition. Is it formatted as an Oracle deck or is it based on the Rider weight? It is tarot. It is based on the, it's a tarot deck based on the Rider weight, like 78 cards but it's very cosmic it's very celestial there's it's very surreal so it's more like faces and parts of faces and hands and that's right yeah i remember seeing that now okay and so i kind of like that it's you got to put some work in with it and trust yourself mm -hmm. to see where it takes you and yeah well and i think i love rider wade smith as a model but yeah, there's so much more to say now, you know, like yes. I think 
it's very dogmatic. And so I love that people are coming up with new ways of interpreting the energy that is each card. So I didn't create the imagery. I a little bit on the imagery and just give some of my insight as a reader. But I wrote yeah. the book and the, the guidebook that goes with it, uh, okay. as well as the long form breakdowns that come out on Cosmo.com every week. Yes. Okay. But obviously your input would feed into the way that they design the cards. Yeah. It was nice to be able to offer some of that kind of practical insight. And because I do so many readings and I've been doing this for so long, my, I have chronic pain in my wrists and hands. And what I like about this deck is it's more square. So it feels a lot more Mm. comfortable in my hands than some other deck. So that's just something that I feel like a little hazard of the job. You might not know if. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Never would have guessed that, but that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) So it feels nice in Um, my hands. I did read your most recent, the world tarot card, like kind of explanation. And I love that you included a song by Semisonic. <laughs> it was totally a blast from the past. I was like, yes, I love them. <laughs> Thank you. I know. Well, it's funny. I love music so much. And I feel like it's such music really comes into my spell work. And oh, interesting. And so sometimes I'll just challenge myself to think like, oh, what song does this card make me think of? Like, how is yeah. the energy? And like, that's the one, you know? Well, you nailed it because it's totally the beginning and the end of a cycle. And I'm like, I would be hard pressed to find a better song for that. So Right? Okay. That's good to hear. Thank you. I yeah. Really no, I thought that. it was really great. <laughs> Is there a band or a group that is like your go-to for the level of emotional access or what they inspire in you emotionally or creatively? Ooh, that's a great question. I feel like, I mean, if you're doing a self-love spell, there's no one better than Sade. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, she is the one. I love that. Okay. I'm going to have to like give her another, I mean, not that she's not always on my mind, but. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I feel like put on the Sade and to have a little bath ritual, it's oh. it emerge a new being with a complete like Venusian self-care moment. Mm. Excellent. Well, so I would love to do a tarot reading if you're up for it, but I wanted to quick ask you about Hilma's ghost. It sounds so cool. Yeah. It's amazing. That is a cosmic experience for sure. The way we connected, the way we work together. Hilma's ghost is a feminist art collective made up of Charmista Ray and Danielle Tegeter. And they began during the lockdown, they were doing virtual programming and it was so funny. I'm a huge fan of Hilma off Clint. And, you know, I feel like, like I've channeled her into some work I've done. I adore her yeah. paintings. I, I feel like I've connected with a lot of special people through her work. And yeah. I saw that this Instagram account started following me like Hilma's ghost. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm about it. And then at one point they put out a call for one of their workshops. They were looking for a witch and they told me they received 30 emails with people recommending me. 
And I think someone said, wow, I was like, oh, like I need to check this out. So I contacted them and I wound up doing a sigil workshop with them on Zoom. And they told me it was their highest attended workshop. And I was like, oh, it was so fun. And we were working with a lot of artists and bringing in sigil work. And it was like such a natural progression, I think, for visual artists. And then Danielle's gallery, Carrie Seacrest out in Chicago, had applied to the Armory Fair, unbeknownst to them, with a project for Hilma's Ghost. And they had never really intended to work amazing in that way together. But Carrie's amazing. She's so magical and incredible. And so she was the catalyst to push them a little further. So they created the tarot deck and they did 78 paintings and oh, then uh, wow. produced the tarot deck as well. And, and then I gave them readings and the, the readings became the title of the paintings and the cards that I pulled were then used to create these larger paintings. They're really incredible. And Carrie hired me to come in and do a ritual to enchant the booth for Armory. And all of these magical and incredible things started happening literally like five minutes after the ritual was complete. And I then, just got chills uh, when you talk about it. Magic is real. And when you have those validating and affirming moments, there's just nothing better. Yeah. That's so cool. It's so cool. And then Carrie hired me to do readings in the booth throughout the week. They got this incredible review in the New York Times with a photo in the center. I mean, it's like a dream come true. It was incredible. And I just adore them. I love working with them. They have a museum show opening at the Hillstead in Connecticut next month. So we've been going up to the museum, which is Theodate Pope's home. And we've been doing seances. I've been channeling her spirit through. And they are creating. What does she have to say? She is quite a character. <laughs> with a real- she, I'm sure she's over the moon that you're representing her. She, You know what's very cool is that she has a very fascinating story. Uh, she had a near-death experience, and then she started working with mediums and psychics and doing automatic drawing. So oh, this yeah. is something that she's already tapped into. And so we're trying to pay homage to her interests, her legacy, and then continue it in this modern lens. And the work that Charmista and Danielle are making, it's so fantastic. And I've been in the studio with them a lot, doing rituals to channel the work that's being created. I was there Monday, I'll be back tomorrow. And it's just, I just think they're the coolest. They're so brilliant and their work is so gorgeous. And seeing the way they collaborate is very inspiring and you know, I just, that's so cool. So wait, you were going to say she's a character. Do you care to elaborate? Yeah, she's just a really like, she has an intense point of view and a really strong personality. I mean, she was a woman architect and really doing big things. She's very blunt and direct. And I, when I'm doing work like that, coming in to do mediumship, I don't do any research before I go in because I like Mm. to just come in completely unencumbered, totally open. And when I sat with the director of the museum and told her everything I was seeing, she confirmed everything. And, And then it was even funny. I was like, what does she do to your office door? I was like, it's kind of funny. And she was like, oh my God, that's her. She's like, I get locked in my office all the time. And I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. I was like, she's pranking you. You know that, right? And she's like, I thought so. 
Oh my God. What years was she on earth? Oh my gosh. Like what was her life? I will have to update you on that. Cause like I said, I didn't really do any research before I went in, but I can get you that information. And we're talking about Theodate versus Hilma. Yes. So she, she's 1867 to 1946. She's very much, um, like I said, a strong personality and very involved in the goings on at the museum. Got it. So I feel like she's doing her thing, but she's also like very much checking in here as well. And, you know, that is not how people stereotypically would expect a spirit to come and visit just a place of work and creation and be a part of it you know i think there's more of the chains in the attic right and this is just a new for some model of how a spirit interacts totally well i feel like the spirits are very much like how they were in life they are on the other side as well because i mean of course you've gone through a major transformation but you're still you like the core of who you are maybe like who knows, magnified or something, but it's still very much, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like when my dad came through, I had a reading where he came through through someone else and totally was still like social party guy, even on the other side. And I was like, okay, I just must be like his core self because- I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it was cute. Okay, should we do a reading? Oh my gosh, I would love to. Okay, cool. Also, as we prepare for that, I just want to say now I have a solid number of tarot decks that I need to go out and buy. Um, Amazing. (laughs) Just add to my growing collection. No, there's just so many good ones. Like, I feel like it's so exciting. I love interpreting tarot. It's like an outfit, just one for every day. Right? (laughs) Rotation. You really can. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Can you see that my cat's here in my lap? Yeah. It's so cute. Oh, she believes she has also been booked for this, whether it's a reading, yeah, a show. She's like, Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Thank you for having me, of course. <laughs> I've been trying to energetically get my cat to come on over, yeah, but you know what? She's quite an elderly cat and she has more boundaries than she, I think as one does when your physical body is changing as you're getting quite older, like you change what your energy output can be. And so when her boundaries are being respected, she is just as she was. (laughs) And when, (laughs) and when not, she's a little, she's She's crotchety. She's crotchety. You know, I mean, it sounds like she's been on this planet for some years. She's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. She's done it. Girlfriend is seasoned. Yeah. Okay, so what do we do? How do we do this? uh, And we're on Zoom. No, we're on Zencaster. Right. But, you know, we're not sitting in the same room for anybody who is listening. Right. Like, we all have headphones on, and we're just looking at little busts of each each other, you know. Tips of cat ears as they travel across the screen. (laughs) Well, I'm happy to do either way. I can pull a couple of cards for each of you. I can pull a couple of cards for both of you, like kind of a little duo reading. We can just see where things go. Yeah, great. I I would love a couple of cards for me. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay, who wants to go first? Liz? Yeah, Liz. Okay, amazing. (laughs) All right, so now what's going on? Do you have a question for me? How can I help? 
I want to understand how to loosen my blocks to romantic love. Okay. That's a great... The level of walls that I have up are vaguely impenetrable, and I don't know how to make them more transparent and to eventually help them to go away. Okay. I think that's a fantastic question to ask in a tarot reading. And, you know, I feel like it's very in line with what's going on kind of in nature. Everything's warming up here and we're kind of warming up and opening up. So let's see. It's going to be okay, Liz. Okay. <laughs> no, I was trying not to laugh. That was so cute. <laughs> I don't know what I just did, you guys. Liz was like holding her breath and had her eyes. <laughs> really? You looked like you were like, oh my God. Like straining under the weight of the stress. <laughs> I, I'm single too. Just, I mean, that was probably my assumption. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. I, I like literally don't know the face I just made, but I'm, luckily we're being recorded. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I feel like, imagine if that was it that's the reading it's gonna be okay I'm just kidding no way all right so this is the thing I can tell you it's been pretty fucking rough I can see here there's so first of all I want you to stop being so hard on yourself because the reason why I think you have all the walls up is because the way I'd see it is like I think you've really been through some hell here in the romantic life you know yes. yeah so like the the walls are your way of protecting yourself. This is actually, I feel like the way I'm seeing the cards, this is a way that you're you're trying to heal. But the thing is, is now we've kind of overcompensated. The walls are up so high, no one can get in. But the, like, I just feel like let's have that understanding for you so you cannot be so hard on yourself. Because what the energy I'm feeling is like, Oh, I want to just like sledgehammer these walls down. And that's not kind. That's not helpful. And that's not healing. But I can tell you, I think just like easing into it. And, you know, we don't need to knock the walls down. But like, why don't we slowly and methodically lower them? And another thing is, why don't we like, let's, let's really try to let go of the past by acknowledging how painful and hurtful it was. Let's mourn the losses. It feels like to me, we wanted these, we wanted this situation to work out. We wanted it to be so much more than it was. And that's so, it's so sad. Like, it's just so painful when these things don't work out. So don't hold back the emotions, feel all of them, anger, sadness. Sometimes like this feels like oh, an failure, but it takes two to tango. It's not all on you. And you really want to like start letting these walls down again little by little we're not like jackhammering them away it's time to kind of stretch out of your comfort zone a little bit i think this is the thing be mindful of how you're where you're putting your energy i think that the, to me it looks like you have an over a tendency to overgive and kind of give and give and give it, i mean that's so lovely i think you have a lot of love to give but let's pull it back let's only give it to people who deserve it and the only way mm -hmm. you're going to to do that is i think just kind of like I think having that perspective of, hey, maybe it would be nice to get to know someone new. And that's it. Essentially, that's what dating is. It's getting to know someone and seeing if you want to spend more time with them. And I think it's all the other stuff that comes with it and that comes after it. If you're like, yeah, I do want to get to know you more. Those are the things that can feel like scary and intimidating and it feels like who's really weighing it down. But really, let's just see if you like meeting some new people and I think it's just kind of like 
being able to speak from your heart too and kind of open that up and really because I do feel like you're in a place that you want to be romantic and you want to be expressive I think it's just there's a lot of fear here but the fear is understandable but romantic opportunities are around you I think it's just let's release some of the pressure you're putting on yourself let like Mm -hmm. truly release the pain in the past moving through it acknowledging it is how you do that and that's I feel like will also help you open up your heart more and let down the walls and you know it might be hard to believe but I hear dating can be fun that's what the cards are showing me and it doesn't have to just be work a slog through hell yes (laughs) exactly it could just be like hey maybe I want to meet someone and do something fun with them and like will it will it go anywhere I don't know. That's not really the point. Dating's hard. I think especially right now, we're still in a really crazy kind of chaotic time where people are feeling unstable and not so solid. And I feel like when that's the vibe, it's very hard for people to connect and grow romantic relationships. It's not impossible. It just takes more work and more grace and understanding and patience because I think people are needing to devote a lot of energy to themselves just to feel like, ah, like some sense of holding it together and that sometimes because people are taking all that energy for themselves it can feel like oh someone's not interested in me no it's just maybe the time he's been off but I feel like hey these painful experiences they provided lessons but I think the lessons have been proven and mm. I also feel like getting out there and having some some positive experiences having a good time even if the spark's not there I had that experience and hey, not everyone is going to drain me of my energy or be horrible to say it lightly. Mm -hmm. That is amazingly spot on. And it's the feedback that I get from the people who know me the most. Uh, I mean, almost verbatim. And I you know, I have always said I have a real ease of, and I'm very lucky for this, of making friends. And I build intimacy with friendship in a very deep way. And it's always been open to me, even through my mid-range adulthood. And, And it's been wonderful to add to the people I know and the community I know. But when I get into dating... I feel like it's just a process of evaluation and rejection. Like, am I a piece of rotten fruit that needs to be like put in the, in the compost? Or am I like a delicious piece of fruit that will be savored forever? And that's not how, you know, that's not how friendship is. Friendship is complex and it's, you know, you're all the fruits at once and parts of you need to be composted and parts of you need to be eaten and savored for their lushness and their ripeness. And, you know, I I don't view romance in the way I view intimacy, which I have a lot of access to. And so that's just a really interesting, that's just spot on in terms of bringing the skills I have to friendship into my, into my dating life. Exactly. Well, because, you know, I feel like we all like to do things we're good at. And and what you're saying, like, being a good friend isn't easy. Friendships take work. And so the fact that you know you're good at it, 
that's incredible. Hold on to that because that really can lead you into this because what I find like energetically, like, yeah, like being a good friend is not that different than being a good partner. Of course, there's more complexity and more nuance and more dimension to romantic partners, but the foundation, and especially when we're starting and dating, I think having that approach and knowing you're good at it, I think that would be really helpful into like bringing those blocks down and leading into finding that romantic love. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was so sweet. I that love the amazing. fruit metaphor. Thanks. Me too. That was beautiful. I'll show you the cards I pulled. Yeah. yeah I always love seeing that. So it's the the star mm. reversed, the three of swords reversed. Oh. Two of staff, six of coins, the knight of cups, and then the seven of coins reversed, the high priestess reversed, mm. oh. and the page of swords. Oh, cool. Sarah? Yeah, well, I think my question is about, I'm looking at moving to LA in the fall for potentially six months and longer, and I'm just curious is that the right strategy to take right now with where I set up a home base for the next year or so and just kind of what things to prioritize and when thinking about what my next steps are? Cool. I love that question. That's a great, great tarot question. Okay, good. Cool. The sounds of the tarot deck are amazing. I know. It sounds like you're at like a Vegas, like blackjack table. It's so satisfying. (laughs) <laughs> a little bit of that like tarot ASMR. Oh yeah. Twenty-one. Let's get twenty-one. <laughs> okay. So this is the thing. What's interesting is the way it's presented through the cards is like, okay, is this too good to be true? And to be honest, I think it would serve you well to be in LA because I think actually like being in the sun would be really good for you energetically. Yeah. I feel also having this, like the environment feels good to me. Like it's not just the weather. It's also kind of like a more languid, slower pace in a way, Mm. because to me, yes, you absolutely have work opportunities there. I think this would be good conducive for work, but it's also conducive to you taking time off and enjoying The beach. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with that. I could go to the beach and sit there and go swimming. Like that is as much of a draw as the art scene in LA. I love that you said that. And so to me, I feel like the way I hear it from the cards and the, the guides is that you don't need to learn how to work. You need to learn how to take time off. You need to learn how to enjoy, be present in like the natural surroundings and be in the good weather, the sun. And so I think like an overall sense of well-being can be found found with this move. I think this is really good. I think that like, I don't know, the way to me I'm seeing it too is just like kind of being able to slow down and be present. So yeah, of course there's opportunities and connections and work, but being able to bring in a little, I don't know, the way it comes to me is like fantasy, but just enjoyment, celebration of being a human living life because you know what now it's making sense to me too is I feel like if we're not having experiences like that what are we putting into the work right you know 
And what's the work for? Exactly. Because I think sometimes we need to get out of the studio. We got to get out of the galleries, get out of the networking and just kind of be a human and live life and enjoy. And to me, I really think that like this type of nature environment would be really good for you and your spirit and very inspiring as well. Because like, yeah, like you know how to make paintings. You know how to do all the technical things. And I just think we want some more experiences, some more like feeling good, being present. And then I think some new exciting work will come out as well from this. The way I'm hearing is it doesn't have to be so purposeful. It doesn't have to be so go, go, go. It can just be. Whoa! Nailed it. Oh my God. I have to say Ah! something. So Sarah says this out loud like once a week, number one. And then number two, I always tell people about you that like there's nobody I have ever met who can have an idea and then an, and then go to an execution as fast. I'm going to make this book and I'm going to sell it. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to, I mean, I have never seen somebody be as efficient with how an idea and an end product comes to be. And, you know, that's shit ton of work. It's great, but it's a problem. And I agree. I actually don't know how to take time off because it's scary to me. And I think like if I have any addiction, that would be the number one. And any addiction that I have aside from that, like stems off of my addiction to work. But also my love of work, you know, I love being purposeful and creating things. But I think you're right that I need to fill the tank. And by doing that, I think I'll be more excited to do the projects that I am hoping to do. Yeah. I think so too. And I always feel like too, it's such a blessing to love what you do, but you also need to do other things as well. And something doesn't always have to have such a clear purpose or efficiency. It could just be pleasurable and enjoyable. And that kind of is a purpose too, because you can make, I think, far like better, more complex, more dynamic work when you're living in this way of satisfying all these different parts of yourself. Well, it is so interesting. This is almost an echo of what you told me last summer because I remember (laughs) I got various forms of citrus and then like the cards kind of went from an orange while I was in New York. And then I got a strawberry and then a deep cherry. And it was the idea that I would get more and more rooted into physical enjoyment. Yes. It really helped me at the time, but I think I thought of it as a temporary thing. And really that is something that I need to take with me all the time that there's always time to like be in your body and enjoy life and not just through snacking, (laughs) (laughs) which is also one way of doing it. Right. It's a fun way, but totally. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. So I needed to hear that for sure. (laughs) <laughs> oh, so welcome. That's amazing. And here, I'll share with you the cards that I pulled. Too. Okay, cool. Eight of Cups reversed. Sun. Temperance. Eight of Coins reversed. Seven of Coins. Four of Wands. Eight of Staffs reversed. And the Ace of Swords. It feels like a lot of putting down the work. Yeah. Like, yeah, like just put it down, Sarah. Like you got this. <laughs> put it away. <laughs> Oh, oh, man, funny. I love that. Amazing. Oh, my God. Well, that's so wonderful. Thank you for that. And 
Thank you so much for just the whole conversation. I feel very satisfied and honored to have been able to talk to you for an hour and a half. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to spend time with you both and chat. Likewise, anything else that you'd like to plug before we let you go? Thank you. I would love for you to follow along with me on Instagram at I am Sarah Potter, but it's my only account, not any of the other ones, and I'll never solicit you for a rename. <laughs> and it's the same on Twitter and TikTok, all that jazz. Cool. And I write uh, my weekly tarot scopes are on astrology.com. And I write weekly for Cosmo on their website as well. And then what I'm really excited about is I'm bringing back my in-person moon circles. And I used to do these before the pandemic. And I don't know, doing them virtual just never felt right. And now this opportunity came up. I'm so excited. I'm going back to this little town on the beach that I used to live in in New Jersey, Asbury Park. And we're doing moon circles at the Asbury Hotel outside at the pool. There's going to be night swimming. We're going to do a full-on ritual. There's a harpist playing at the first one. I mean, it's going to be magical. So that's fabulous. Full moon, June, July, August, September. And we did some hotel packages. If you want to make the whole weekend out of it or to do, we can do that. And I've also created magical gift baskets for anyone who books the package with my energy and baths. It's going to be like fucking epic. I only do events that I want to attend and I am so psyched for this. The Asbury Hotel is super dog friendly. So if you have a dog, bring them. I mean, it's going to be sick. We're right on the ocean. That's amazing. I think Liz is like booking her flight right now. Well, I literally just Googled full moon in August. August August 11th. I will send you all the details too. Oh my God. Yes, that would be amazing. We would love to put links and oh stuff God, to that. You. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. This was so fun. I love talking to you guys. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for side wooing with us. We release episodes every other week on Thursday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast for good karma points. Until we meet again in the woo.